This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. It is time to check in on what's happening in Hong Kong. Earlier this week, Chief Executive Carrie Lam said she supports the adoption of mainland China's anti-sanctions law via local legislation. She says this in response to a spate of U.S. sanctions imposed on mainland and Hong Kong officials accused of eroding the city's freedoms. And questions are also arising on the state of trade unions in Hong Kong after the Professional Teachers Union announced it is disbanding on the back of Chinese state media saying it's breaching Hong Kong's national security law. All right, let's call in now and find out what the latest is in Hong Kong with Claire Huang, the Straits Times Hong Kong correspondent on the line with us. Claire, the uh, chief executive said that she supports the implementation of mainland China's law in Hong Kong to respond to foreign sanctions. Can you walk us through what the implications of this Mm. law would be and why critics are worried that it could undermine Hong Kong's reputation as a global financial hub. Well, Tim, uh, she made a few points. First of all, is that she would prefer that this anti-sanctions law be introduced through Hong Kong's legislation rather than Beijing. So that can be done by adding the uh, anti-sanctions law to an annex of Hong Kong's mini-constitution, also known as the basic law. Now, in short, this is a retaliation to U.S. sanctions on Hong Kong and mainland officials who are viewed by the Hawaii Towers as having a role in diminishing Hong Kong's freedoms, autonomy, you know, with the passing of the national security law and the crackdown on the opposition. Now, in June, Beijing adopted a law that makes it such that individuals or entities involved in making or implementing discriminatory measures against Chinese citizens or entities could be put on a Chinese government anti-sanctions list. So under China's law, such individuals could then be denied entry into China or be expelled. Their assets in China may be seized, frozen. They could be restricted from doing business with entities or people in China. So... What some of the lawyers are saying is that the anti-sanctions law to be included in Hong Kong's basic law is in itself vague. So whether it is passed in Hong Kong or not, it will still be vague until the powers that be decide to clarify what it means. And typically they refrain from that, you know, they keep it ambiguous, right? And Hong Kong has been on the receiving end of the U.S.-China row. And one can argue that it's, you know, Hong Kong has been collateral damage problem comes as the sanctions and now the impending anti-sanctions law will force uh, companies that really are looking at profits to pick a side. So this is bound to add to the push factor and will not be surprising for more companies to pull out or move their headquarters elsewhere. So the bottom line is this, if you want to do business in China with the Chinese, be prepared to take sides. Now, Claire, in other news, Hong Kong's largest teachers' union is disbanding because of drastic changes in the social and political environment. This comes after Chinese state media said it was breaching Hong Kong's national security law. How was it said to be in breach of the law and what implications might this have for other trade unions in Hong Kong? Just to give you the timeline, so mm. end July, Chinese media Xinhua and People's Daily denounced the union as a poisonous tumor. They said that it must be eradicated. They accused the uh, union, the teachers' union, of taking part in fili- having a hand, basically, in mm. filibusters in the legislative council. It stalled the government, remember? So it also accused the, the union of encouraging class boycotts and supporting rioters and teachers who were poisoning students' minds. So this is all traced back to 2019 unrest. And as we know, the demonstrations are anti-government hands can possibly breach 
the uh, national security law. What implications we're looking at is that, you know, the union is the biggest trade union representing a single profession in the city with 95,000 members. The second largest such union is a pro-Beijing one with less than half the number of members in this PTU, Professional Teachers Union. So this PTU wields, well, wielded considerable influence and was well-funded. So mm-hmm. if it's linked to elements that go against national security as defined by the mainland and Hong Kong authorities, then it goes without saying that the union and others like it that has links to the pro-democracy or the opposition camp will not be tolerated. Now the pro-Beijing Education Union chief has pointed out, though, that the, with the demise of the PTU, uh, you know, actually will do more good than harm to the education sector because now the profession can now rebuild its image that was dented because some people thought that they supported rioters. Now, but he also admitted that, you know, the 90,000 members will now find it hard to file complaints or, you know, fight for their rights or seek training opportunities, better welfare because they've lost bargaining power but the wars are far from over for the teachers union because Chinese state media Xinhua news agency has put out in a report in an article saying that just because they have disbanded does not mean that people should not there should not be an investigation into any wrongdoings and you know if there's any wrongdoings they should be prosecuted this podcast is available on our audio app That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Claire, there seems to be an internal row as well, brewing within Hong Kong's Democratic Party over whether to contest legislative council elections. So earlier this year, Beijing changed the rules so that anyone running for a seat in the council must secure 10 nominations from the establishment-dominated election committee and pass a political vetting process. So what do you know about this dispute so far? So as you have pointed out, right, because of the revamp in the electoral system, so basically it's made harder for the opposition to basically get a seat. And the lowdown the opposition for now is this. You have a large group facing charges, members who are facing charges, namely for breaching national security. You have those already in jail for organizing and inciting others to join illegal protests. In 2019, you have those who have left Hong Kong. And now the remaining ones are torn between going ahead to fight for a legal seat in what some have described as political window dressing. But then there's another camp within that group saying that, you know, you should completely boycott this, this election, because, you know, it doesn't make any sense anymore. So whatever the case, the opposition is expected to be almost wiped out in Parliament. Now, that said, it's understood that there are some who prefer to have the show go on, Mm -hmm. even with minimal opposition voices. Okay, Claire, in other news, Hong Kong is now set to implement a new strategy to encourage people to get vaccinated. Can you share more details with us on the vaccination rollout and the new plan? Well, uh, there's a calibrated strategy that leans towards people who are vaccinated. For instance, right, non-residents from high-risk countries like UK, mm-hmm. India, Philippines can now enter Hong Kong mm. if they are vaccinated. Besides the usual pre-departure tests before they got the plane, obviously, and, and the mandatory uh, 21-day quarantine. Now, those from medium-risk countries like Singapore, South Korea, Japan can enter Hong Kong if they're vaccinated and the quarantine used to be 14 days, but if you're vaccinated, it can be shortened to seven days with another seven days of self-monitoring. If they're unvaccinated, basically, it's reversed. You have to do seven days more. So Mrs. Lam had spoken on Tuesday urging people to get vaccinated with the situation in Hong Kong is stable because 
once the fifth wave hits, and we know that the Delta variant is so much more infectious, right? So the government will not be able to provide the jabs at the centers, and whatever vaccination plans they have will inevitably have to be scaled down. So the the elderly take-up rate has risen now that walk-ins are allowed for those age 60 and above. So that's looking good. And then there is the jab or pay for your own test scheme, where basically different groups in the community, such as hospital staff, civil servants, they now have to they will have to pay from September for the COVID test every two weeks if they are not vaccinated. So basically, okay. they're making it hard for you to not go for your jab. Sounds familiar. Well, okay. Uh, lastly, Claire, <laughs> Hong Kong Security and Futures Commission is set to introduce a new identification system. Tell us more about this. Basically, it will require reporting of over-the-counter securities transactions starting from the first half of 2023. How will this help reinforce Hong Kong's market integrity and promote investor confidence? Well, the Hong Kong stock market watchdog uh, wants to tighten investor identification over the counter trades reporting regimes, basically to close the loopholes for misconduct. So from next year, brokerages will be required to submit clients' names, identity document information to the Hong Kong Exchange, right, uh, Stock Exchange, when placing orders to buy or sell shares. This new system will then allow the regulators to pick up investors who are gaming the system, basically using different brokerage accounts to apply for the same IPOs, the initial public offerings. So the idea is to help reinforce market integrity, promote investor confidence, which is, you know, vital to Hong Kong's status as, you know, an Asian international financial center. So the move, though, will definitely affect retail investors, particularly those from the mainland uh, who are making use of this, you know, the city's disclosure and identification loopholes to basically gain what is uh, described as an unfair advantage in their bids for stock allotments. Mm. All right, Claire, thank you very much for your updates. Claire Huang, Hong Kong correspondent for The Straits Times, joining us there. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.